This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. This episode is sponsored by Bright Computing. Check out Spotlight On, the new podcast series featuring Bright execs and partners talking about today's latest trends in HPC. Find more details on the Spotlight On podcast in the blog or resources section of the homepage at brightcomputing.com. Green AI in Massachusetts. And how to crash into an asteroid. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, joined by my regular co-anchor, Tiffany Trader from HPC Wire, as well as, for the first time on This Week in HPC, Oliver Peckham, staff writer for HPC Wire. Oliver, thanks for coming on to our podcast. Thanks for having me, Addison. Tiffany. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's get to the news this week in HPC, Tiffany. We've got a new green AI supercomputer called TX Gaia showing up in Holyoke, Massachusetts. That's right. So the MIT Lincoln Lab provided an update this week on its newest supercomputer, the TX Gaia. The Gaia there stands for Green AI Accelerator. This is a 4.7 Limpack petaflop system built by HPE and installed at MIT's Lincoln Laboratory Supercomputing Center in Holyoke, Massachusetts. That's out in Western Mass. Um, it will be used for machine learning, specifically deep neural networks, as well as um, the usual uh, engineering and science and, and more traditional you know, HPC modeling and simulation as well, I expected to enter production this fall. Um, so this system came up on the top 500 list back in June uh, after completing a 3.9 petaflops limpack run. Uh, that, that was enough to put it uh, at number 51. And it has since added another, you know, another 800 uh, or so teraflops um, to that benchmarking score up, up to 4.7 now. And it is built uh, by, built by HPE out of 448 Apollo 2000 nodes um, with uh, second gen Intel Xeon scalable processors and uh, NVIDIA GPUs, um, about almost 900 uh, of each. And um, it's uh, OmniPath, OmniPath connected. So um, this this could be one of the last big systems um, to, deb- to, deb- to debut with OmniPath. Yeah, that was interesting that we got another OmniPath system out there, but uh, maybe not so unusual that an academic site would be taking advantage of that technology that's still available out of the HPE price book. Now, the interesting thing here beyond the configuration, of course, is the workflows they're going after with all of those uh, NVIDIA systems uh, or GPUs, I should say. Uh, They really are targeting deep neural networks and AI here. That's right. Um, targeting those and then also um, other targeted applications, weather forecasting, um, medical data analysis, autonomous systems, um, synthetic DNA design, new materials. You can see um, you know, where some of those would bring in the, the, the newer AI workloads there. Um, you mentioned it, it's an academic site. Um, it is, of course, uh, the, the Lincoln Lab is, of course, federally funded and a, and a DOD, a Department of Defense lab. So kind of sits on the edge there, since certainly MIT is is heavily involved too. So it depends how you wanna how you wanna slice that. Um, so it's notably the most powerful supercomputer in New England. Um, you know, being in this Western Massachusetts town of Holyoke, this old paper mill town, I think that the population is roughly uh, 40,000. So they've been undergoing this tech-driven revitalization. So in addition to being the home of uh, the Lincoln Lab, 
which uh, was established in, um, or the Lincoln Lab Supercomputing Center, which was, was founded in 2016. Holyoke is also home to the Massachusetts Green High Performance Computing Center uh, they, that goes by the acronym MGH. PCC, uh, which was established in 2012 via this consortium of universities, these five uh, five Massachusetts universities, Boston University, Harvard, MIT, of course, Northeastern, and, and UMass. Yeah, I remember one of the first HPC Wire soundbite podcasts that we did back in 2009. We talked about this new uh, Massachusetts Green High Performance Computing Center that had just been announced. It wasn't actually opened or unveiled until a couple years after that, but it was announced in 2009 and covered by HPC Wire, and we did a podcast about it then as well. And uh, our, our friend John Goodhue is still the executive director of that site. We knew him from his Psycorp text days at the time. Uh, and it's good to see that John is still succeeding at the uh, Mass Green HPC Center. Now, the green is in the title of all of these things, uh, both the the, uh, the Massachusetts Green HPC Center as well as this green AI supercomputer that's part of LLSC as, as part of the Lincoln Lab. And Oliver, you noticed that uh, one of the, the primary configuration points of this new system was that it uses this Ecopod container. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the Ecopod is a is a modular data center uh, built kind of a all in one to be uh, shipped out kind of like a like a shipping container and a little bit larger than one, um, and built so that it can be expanded with other units um, using airside cooling and uh, adaptive cooling techniques to reduce energy use and and uh, the idea is generally to reduce the footprint uh, so you're only cooling and only powering as much uh, floor space as you need. Uh, the really interesting thing about this to me is that this uh, facility has advertised itself as 100% uh, carbon-free, which usually you would only see uh, with maybe geothermal data centers over in Iceland or uh, nuclear data centers or uh, data centers that are, that are purchasing energy credits from intermittent sources like solar or wind. Um, but the one in Holyoke is actually located uh, not more than a couple miles away from the hydroelectric dam, which will provide consistent power and actually probably means that uh, the data center is able to power itself with 100% renewable energy uh, without having to engage with any kind of aftermarket mechanism. It's green and it's AI, so the DOD ought to be all over it. We mentioned, Tiffany, that the DOD is using this site as a major resource. We've talked about this previously on This Week in HPC, that we're seeing more of the HPC investment coming through DOD relative to DOE, which is a trend we see consistent with Republican administrations relative to Democratic administrations in this country. But this is kind of a tweener, as you were starting to say. It's kind of part academic, part DOD. It's not like Holyoke here is one of the distributed shared resource centers for DOD. And nevertheless, this is one of the bigger supercomputers the DOD is going to have access to for AI. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. It's kind of in between. And in fact, the partners emphasize that this TX Gaia, as the name tells you, is, a, is an AI supercomputer. So with these NVIDIA V100s, it actually, it actually has 100 petaflops of mixed precision performance uh, owing to those GPUs. So they're, they're, actually, they're claiming that this makes it the number one university AI supercomputer. Um, so depending on how you want to look at that and which other sites you want to count um, as, as academic versus government funded. And like you said, this will be 
this this is now the DoD's largest supercomputing resource, and the the system is also going to support the recently announced MIT Air Force AI Accelerator project, which uh, is drawing on the expertise of MIT, the Lincoln Lab supercomputer, and the Air Force uh, to carry out fundamental research for the purposes of rapid prototyping, scaling, and application of AI algorithms and systems. So definitely a, a key uh, AI resource for DOD and the Air Force. I like seeing these kinds of collaborations between academia and government for this. Uh, we need these specialized resources, but they don't have to be completely segregated into one field of research or the other. So I think this is a nice collaboration to go see. Meanwhile, also this week in HPC, Oliver, you wrote a story in HPC Wire. This is really eye-catching. This is like the movie Deep Impact or Armageddon. We're actually planning on using HPC here to deflect an asteroid in case it becomes necessary. Uh, yeah, we won't be crashing a supercomputer into the asteroid, but it's not too far away. Uh, basically, uh, the idea is, you know, after a few years, um, NASA has been ramping up what it calls, you know, its planetary defense initiative, which I, I think is a, a really cool way to frame this, uh, planetary defense research which mostly focuses around uh, figuring out if there are any asteroids that are going to hit us, seeing how much damage they would do if they did, and then learning and practicing how to deflect an asteroid in, in real life. Uh, and that third one is the one that this research is focusing on. Uh, so basically, NASA and the European Space Agency have teamed up on a mission to uh, send a, a satellite, a probe, out into space to find... Uh, these asteroids, double asteroids, uh, called the Didymos system. And the Didymos system is Didymos A, which is a larger asteroid, and Didymos B, or the Diddy Moon, which orbits around it and is a smaller asteroid. So they're going to send this uh, spacecraft out there and literally just set a crash course and try to knock it slightly off of its orbit to produce what they call libration, or basically a wobble in the orbit. And then they'll send a second spacecraft out uh, after that's done, to survey how it changed the orbit and what happened to the smaller asteroid. And, of course, they need a lot of computation in order to do this, and they've got a cluster for it. Now, in case Diddy Moon wasn't a funny enough word for the story, their cluster is called YORP. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, all, all lowercase YORP, which is just really fun to say. Uh, and that's located at the, the University of Maryland, uh, over at their astronomy center, uh, and that's a relatively small cluster. It's being uh, operated on by a team of researchers and uh, you know, students who are getting their PhDs, uh, doing mostly particle-based simulations of what would happen when you when you crash this you know large particle into a group of small particles. Um, but they've been also been moving uh, over to Lawrence Livermore uh, National Laboratory, uh, where they're using the RZ Topaz cluster, um, which is a penguin system. Uh, with a peak performance of around 920, 930 uh, teraflops uh, to do much more uh, detailed hydrodynamics code and really start to crunch out those simulations and get a better idea of what they expect to happen when this impact occurs. I mean, it's an inherently interesting application. It's one of these things that sounds like it's got a very low probability of you actually need to be able to do this. But in the event that you do, it becomes the most important thing to all of mankind and the entire planet. So maybe as an insurance policy, we want to know how to do it. And it's interesting to see this research going on and the, the interplay with high-performance computing or simulation. Now, you, you pointed out there's actually multiple phases of this. You have to know, all right, how are we going to manage this? 
in the event that it's going to occur. But the 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 preceding question is, can we get a map to catalog what are all of the near Earth objects that are potentially dangerous to us, so that so that we see it coming and and know that we have to respond. And Tiffany, that was something that that you were really looking up in terms of the the other half of the equation. Yeah, so that's where the Near Earth Objects Observations Program comes in. That's the NEO project, which is to, to catalog all these p potentially very troubling asteroids. The, the objective of the NEO Observations Program is to find, track, and catalog at least 90% of the estimated population of NEOs that are equal to or greater than 140 meters in size by 2020 and to characterize the, those objects um, relative to the other ones. So right now, less than half, between it's more between a third and, and a half of these the estimated of an estimated 25,000 near Earth objects of, of this size have been cataloged. So only about a third. Um, they're working towards 90 percent. Um, and the, the current the current surveys are finding NEOs of the size at a rate of 500 per, per year, 500 of these NEOs per year. Now, we they, they hope to really increase this number with a future project that I think we've all, we've all heard of, which is the LSST project, the Large Synoptic Survey Telescope. Um, that's the, the telescope coming online in Chile. First light is anticipated next year with full operations um, coming up in uh, January. 2020. So the, the plan is for LSST to survey the entire observable sky for 10 years, taking hundreds of images of individual fields um, every night. So I, as you said, Addison, I think this is a really interesting effort. Um, the effort is being focused here, given, you know, even at the very low probability, there are potentially just absolutely catastrophic events. So it could be the most important thing ever. It's it's certainly interesting to read about, and our listeners can get details on the full on both full stories on HPC Wire. Oliver and Tiffany, thanks to you for joining me as usual on This Week in HPC, and thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.